Hey everybody, welcome to the Combat Chain Podcast, episode 3. I am your host, Adam Philipchuk. Alongside me uh, is uh, Andrew Pedleski. And uh, today we've got uh, somebody new with us. Um, well, not somebody new to the behind the scenes, but somebody new to you guys, the listeners. Uh, we've also got Jeff Horan in the studio with us. Did I say that right, Horan? Yeah. Okay, sick, sick. All right. Uh, we're going to get Jeff to introduce himself, but first we're going to go over the topics of conversation for today. Uh, we're going to be looking quickly at, uh, we had, what, eight? eight national events uh, so we're going to be looking at the meta for those uh, Andrew and myself were actually at Canadian Nationals so we're going to be talking about our experience a little bit uh, we're going to be talking about Briar uh, I think Briar's uh, on everybody's mind right now and then uh, we got some exciting news uh, Everfest uh, the next uh, supplemental set we're going to be looking at uh, a little bit of uh, some of the what we know so far about that uh, but first before we do that Jeff welcome how's it going Good. It's good to be here. It's great to have you. Uh, why don't you... Uh, so, Jeff is uh, another guy who's helping us out with uh, with the podcast. He's uh, he's our numbers guy. He uh, He's really good at the math, um, helps us figure out a lot of that stuff. Uh, but uh, beyond that, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your background in TCGs and... Uh, yeah, so I uh, started playing Magic uh, in 2010 or so. Uh, played that pretty casually for for a while, and then I moved moved to uh, Alberta, and uh, yeah, just met more people and uh, started playing at the LGS and met Andrew that way, playing Magic and started getting pretty competitive, uh, playing Modern and a little bit of Standard and and uh, yeah, it was uh, in July of this year, I think. I was listening to uh, the Spike Feed podcast and their hosts were talking about how their modern events weren't firing uh, now that they had opened up back up from COVID and but these flesh and blood events were you know picking up and more people were showing up and I was like oh that sounds pretty interesting like new card game uh, so they had a good review so I messaged Andrew and said hey do you want to check out this flesh and blood card game with me and he said yeah but if we're getting into it we got to go full send like just go all in <laughs> so hey, okay sure so here we are, a uh, number of months later, and uh, bought lots of flesh and blood cards. And now you're involved in a podcast. Yeah, that is full send. Full yeah. send for sure. <laughs> and, and honestly, I mean, flesh and blood is just the resource system and everything about it is so much cleaner and and just so much more complicated and complex and fun compared to Magic. So yeah, I'm definitely very excited to just be playing more flesh and blood than than Magic. Well, after you told me about it, I did like quick Google search and I found out just how much LSS wanted to put up for a competitive scene and the prize pools for different tournaments, how much they were pushing a new game that was supposed to just be competitive above all else. And I was like, yeah, this is where I want to be for sure. Yeah, that was also a, a really good thing to see is that the company like wizards you know has their faults and lss was just like you know you guys built this huge great system keep that going forward and it's really great to see so i'm excited to grind and hopefully make nationals for 2022 but we've got a lot of time between now and then so i wish you were there it was so <laughs> fun yeah <laughs> it was a blast next year if you can 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. Cool. Absolutely. Nice, nice, nice. Andrew, uh, how was uh, how was your week in Fleshable? We'll we'll obviously get into nationals, but like I mean, beyond nationals, did you get up to anything interesting? Man, nationals was such a fun long weekend that I don't even remember what I did before we left on Thursday. <laughs> I feel like there was probably blitz on Tuesday and maybe blitz on Wednesday as well. That yeah, I, we. I think yeah. I won because I got the Rosetta Thorn. Yeah. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, you were on you were on uh, Lightning Briar actually, just a blitz list. Right. Yeah. Uh, I was on Agro Ira, and we what was it our round two match for which that was really the match that decided who would go on to win the Rosetta. Um, I came down to one, and then you arcanic crackled me. <laughs> right. Sweet. <laughs> Worked hard for that one. <laughs> but yeah, then it was until Thursday. I had to. Well, part of the stress too was I had to finish a couple of school assignments before we. Oh go. right. So I had to like rush those out, get all the packing done, come up with a deck, everything like that. And then Thursday we flew out with our friend Kevin. Kevin and, and uh, Tyler. Tyler. Yeah, and uh, we saw Kevin Lowe on our plane, which is really funny. Yeah, and we that was because we just spent like most of the weekend like trying to like why was Kevin Lowe on our plane? Was he here for the card convention? No, no, that's not it. Was he here for this? Was he here for that? And then was on the Sunday we finally figured out that he was yeah. there for the uh, Hall of Fame inauguration. Yeah, true, but funny. I don't know if you heard this story in the middle of the event too. During nationals, because of the card show convention, our buddy Kevin went to the washroom, and coming out of the washroom, he almost got completely tackled by George Larocque. Like no he way! Was running into the bathroom, <laughs> and they almost crashed. Kevin was so excited; he's like, "I almost got bulldozered over by George Larocque." That's funny. I didn't hear about that. So then, I don't know. I could just go through the whole story of nationals here. Okay. Well, before we do that, let's, uh, Jeff. Why don't you? Uh, I think you've got the numbers there for uh, uh, some of the nationals data. Yeah, and I, but uh... before and actually before we get into that, just quickly, so we had eight events this weekend. Um, you said you, I know you were looking up how many more events we have left. You saw one open event invite coming up on November twenty eighth in Italy, but beyond that, I think this is it for our nationals. So the data you're going into is pretty much this is what nationals was. And I, I think that's just important to, to, to point out because that's we're going into an off season of no competitive events for the rest of the like the, this is it for the pro events um, until 2022 whenever now I know we're getting the pro tour in I think I saw April or May is when it's supposed to happen uh, you know what hang on I know where I can find the info for this yeah it either said quarter one or quarter two uh so it is within the first four or five months of the year for sure. Uh, due to April, oh, I apologize. Somewhere between April and July of 2022, that's when we get the Pro Tour. I imagine we're getting callings before that, though. Yeah. Well, we were supposed to have the Netherlands calling, but that got, uh, it sounds like that's not going to happen because of COVID. But anyway, so going into an off season, essentially, everybody's going to be testing based off what we get out of this data. So I think, yeah, that's just that's important to highlight yeah the, this national season definitely was exciting and uh, I think that the decks that we saw are gonna be the main players for at least a little while until until the next set comes out for sure people testing in the meta you know ever like flowing and evolving but locally as opposed to a big you know the 
the grand meta, as it were. Everybody breaks events. off into their pockets, and this is where we'll see different metas evolve individually, and then they come back together and clash in bigger metas. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So at Canadian Nationals specifically, uh, I've got the numbers here. Uh, Briar was 54% of the meta. Uh, Lexi was 13, Chain was 13, Bravo was 8, Ultim was 8, and then Kano was 4%. Um, I believe that was the meta of people that day two'd. Or yeah, sorry, this is day two meta. So that's a pretty good indication of you know like what the what the people who were winning a lot were playing, and that's kind of where you want to be looking. Like you know, if someone shows up with their Azalea deck on day one, doesn't day two <laughs> not necessarily the most important. Um, but yeah, we can go through the top eight here. Uh, so in first place, we had Yuki on Lexi. I believe it was an ice lexi list yeah yeah big sweet. congratulations to yuki um essentially making just a a sick meta call and taking down taking down a field of 81 players yeah. and i think this goes back to something i said in a previous episode like we look at tyler horsepool in vegas uh we look at michael hamilton in uh at, in the orlando and now yuki here at canadian nats um if you can read the meta you, you have such an easier job ahead of you. Yeah. And it, it's cool to see, like, a you know, when there's kind of a top threat and to see these players choose a deck that they know they can have a good matchup that's also serviceable against the rest of the field. So, For sure. Yeah. Uh, in second place uh, was Sean uh, Dallywall Dallywall on uh, Briar. Uh, third and fourth place, we had Daniel uh, Driesiger on Chain and Isaac Krut on Briar. And then fifth through eight, we had Bing Chin Benson Lay on Briar, Oliver Chen on Briar, Dante Delfico, heard that name before, Briar, <laughs> and uh, Demos Kalupis on Old Him. So a lot of Briar and a Chain, so a lot of Room Blade in the yeah. room. And then uh, two decks that were probably built specifically to combat. Briar and maybe Chain with uh, old him and Lexi also rounding out the top eight. So a lot of Briar, for sure. Yeah, and did you have some other data over there too for the other nationals that happened this weekend? Yeah, so that was just Canadian nationals, which you guys were at. Um, Worldwide, up to this day, um, we have kind of the total top eight and winning percentages for all the different heroes. So... Uh, I'm not going to go over all of them, but some highlights here. Uh, the Room Blades, Briar and uh, Chain, and two uh, Viscerize as well, had 70 top 8 finishes and 11 wins. Uh, the Guardians, Bravo, had 16 top 8s, Oldham had 4, and between them they had 3 wins. Okay. Um, the Ice Decks, Lexi and Oldham, had 16 top 8s and 2 wins. Katsu had 11 top 8s in a win. Dash had 8 top 8s in a win. Those are can be your kind of more controlling decks. So it's hard to say what style well, I, of deck they were. But. I mean, both of them, yeah, can be so far from, yeah, control to full-out aggro, full yeah. send it. And uh, and then we had uh, 13 Warriors between Dory and Bolton uh, and two wins between them. And then we had seven Brutes. The no brute, way. The Brutes representing seven top eights from the Brute. No wins, but seven top eights. Nice. Fought valorantly. So, yeah, that's the data. So, 
I mean, and no surprises there to see the Rune Blades doing what Rune Blades do best. We know at this point that Rune Blade is an oppressive class. Chain was very dominant when we saw him. Now we have Briar doing Briar things and being equally oppressive. Um, both doing it a little bit differently, but ultimately achieving the same game plan of just overwhelming their opponent. Um, and I don't even think necessarily that Briar is oppressive. Maybe that's a hot take. Chain obviously was very, very strong and definitely like the best deck in the format. And it had weaknesses, but it was a lot harder to fight. I think Briar is easier to battle, like to try and combat. I think that it has more exploitable weaknesses than Chain did. It's obviously still very powerful for all the reasons you said. Yeah, and I guess now we have better tools at combating it than we did um, back when Chain was around. Um, I know LSS had good reason for why they banned uh, seeds when they did. Uh, They didn't want to surprise people with a banning partway through national season and just warping the meta instantaneously and forcing people to react. But it would have been interesting to see what ice could have done to uh chain uh pre pre um pre seeds yeah. yeah 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 exactly uh because i know the frostbites are are annoying but channel like frigid uh that every every single seed costing at least one now you're i think that would have maybe really yeah yeah especially if you time it towards the end of a game kind of like an arc light sentinel type plan you really get them stuck with a lot of cards in their banish with blood dead on it and yeah. now they can only play a couple per turn because you're just taxing their resources so much yeah exactly yeah, and like I, a, a channel like frigid on soul shackle six that you can also keep oh. for their seventh soul shackle is yeah. that's that's dead sounds backbreaking for sure i i think and that's even worse than arclight sentinel is like arclight sentinel is such a heavy investment to get in in the first place but channel like frigid costs what one two Two, okay. And, but yeah. then you get to keep it around. So, I mean, the turn after you play it, you can pitch yeah. a couple ice cards, come in with an attack, and then yeah. still keep your channel like frigid for the next turn. I, yeah. think it, I think it's very strong against chain. And, and I'm 99% sure it has go again on it, too. So, on a turn, yes, you can it does. play channel it does. like frigid and do more, whereas it's very hard to play Arclight Sentinel and also do more on that turn. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, yeah, no. Um, yeah, Rune Blades are. Um, dominating the meta but um, yeah I agree with you Jeff um, I think uh, I think Briar is a lot more beatable and um, I know Andrew has uh, a lot of thoughts on Briar uh, we'll get to those uh, but first um, I think to uh, highlight why Andrew feels as passionately <laughs> as he does about Briar um, Andrew why don't you uh, tell us about your uh, your Nationals experience yeah, thanks, Adam. So Friday, we had the fun battle-hardened event. The most fun on Friday for me was just seeing all of these people that I've known from Discord, but have not met in real life yeah. yet. That was really cool. And the the event, they wanted to keep it more casual just so people could have fun. They gave everybody like four or five packs up front, so we weren't playing for tons of prizing. Everyone was prized regardless of how well they did. It was just a very fun, casual Blitz event. And then Friday night, there was a couple side event drafts. I ended up taking down one with a spicy briar list and winning hmm. a uh, box of first edition tales of aria that yeah. had a nice cold foil heart of ice in there for me Ooh. so that was pretty hype was feeling pretty confident going into the main event on saturday but uh 
try to take you through all my rounds, but we'll keep it quick here. Round one, I played against a really good player named Nia, who was on Briar. Shout out to uh, Kadachi for one. Yep. <laughs> Lost a real close, tight game to him. I was beating myself up pretty hard because I thought I made a pretty pretty big mistake that was going to punish me for the rest of the day. But when we talked about it and Nia showed me his hand at the end of the game, I don't think it would have changed anything at all. So tried to get over that one. Round two and round three, we won, but they were also both Briars. We were, were three Briars in a row. And then... The draft portion was actually probably the most fun, and I ended up sitting right next to Adam in our yeah. draft, which was for some hilarious stories too. But um, pack one, pick one. I have all of the best Briar cards that I want in my pack, and a crown of seeds, but also a sting of sorcery. Yeah. So I take the crown of seeds for the money, but I'm passing my pack to Adam, and I'm thinking, oh no, Adam's for sure gonna take this sting of sorcery and just try to force Briar. And the next pack I get to is like four amazing red briar cards. I want all of them. This has like a bramble spark, a ball lightning, an inspire lightning, and an entwine lightning or something, or, or lightning surge. So I'm like, oh no, but I just wanna, I wanna go with it. I wanna go with this crown of seeds. So I take the ball lightning and I think I'm just destroying your draft because you're gonna see how open briar is for these first four or five picks. And, and I remember seeing that sting and just thinking, what? what did you pick that you passed me a sting? Like, yeah. what could possibly be in that? Yeah, man. I guess it was a crown uh, of seeds. Yeah, I was just thinking, oh, no, I'm giving you so many Briar's open signals, and I'm just going to cut you right off. And, I mean, thankfully, I I pack one, picked one, a, a honing hood, just because, like, it's equipment, and uh, if Ranger ends up working out sweet, if I pivot off it, I'm not upset. It's yeah. just one card. And uh, so it worked out well that I started off picking a couple lightning cards because I was like, okay, this still works for, for Lexi. And I was kind of able to lean into the Lexi side. And uh, uh, it actually, thankfully, yeah, I stuck with Lexi, and it paid off in the late draft. But uh, we'll talk more about that later. Somehow it all worked out, but... Uh me and Adam both went two and one in this draft, and we each both just lost to Oliver Chen, who ended up top eighting. Yeah, he, yeah. Uh, drafted a sweet Sh- old time deck. Shout out to yeah Oliver Chen, Beboyam. Yeah, just fatigued us both in the draft there. Now I think the one thing I was thinking about after the fact, because I know even like right off the bat, Oliver looked at the fact that I was playing uh, Lexi, and he goes, "Okay, this could be tough because you can go wide," and. Uh, I think where I did myself a disservice there. I sided in six cards that were had no business with my game plan and uh, um, ended up diluting the power of my deck. And I think that's what did me in in the end. But uh, no, great, phenomenal player, Oliver Chen. Uh, yeah, congrats on him making top eight there. Yeah, so going into round seven, I should have said this at the beginning, but I was on chain. So pull the chain deck list back out. And I played against someone I knew from Calgary named Subasa, and my deck did not function very well in this round. I did the classic, like, you know, turn one, arsenal, a plunder run, turn two, draw four non-attack actions, and miss the soul shackle, and then not do very much on that turn. The next turn two, just draw four non-attack actions again, and not be able to play the game at all, not hit any any banishes. Meanwhile, Briar across the table is just coming across for 30 damage every turn. My hand locks eight. So, like, he agreed with me. There's nothing else I could have done this match. And when your deck does that to you, you just you take the L. Round eight, I played against Sasha. Also on Briar. This makes five Briars in a row. <laughs> and then round nine, I, I was pretty sure I wasn't going to be able to day two anyways just because of 
where I was and the rounds at which I'd lost in the day because of that cumulative tie-breaking system. But I played a Viscerai, which was the most fun <laughs> of my day, but it was also the sixth rune blade in a row. And I won that one against a Justin, though we didn't have much on the line. But it was kind of a frustrating experience putting a good chunk of time and effort in the last three months into practicing every matchup in the game, how to sideboard against all these other classes, all these other heroes. And I showed up and just played Briar five times in a row and then Eviscerae. And the games they won the dice rolls, they won. I went two and three against the Briars, ended my day five and four and just bubbled out and did day two. Yeah, it's uh, the... The tiebreaker system I know is one that uh, a lot of people are um, commenting on right now because, um, yeah, uh, if you put, if you just, you, you look at the three columns and you change how they're stacked, uh, it definitely changes who ends up in top eight, who doesn't. Yeah, well, LSS puts the most weight into the column for cumulative tiebreakers. They want losing later in your day to be better for you the people that lose earlier are going to get punished a lot more and that makes sense to an extent but also at an event like nationals like what about the people that run into like the best people in the room in rounds one and round two like should they have their room or their day just ruined for that reason or you know back to magic the first column that they they weigh heavily the most heavily is your opponent's win percentage on the day um and so I think if you just flip those those columns around just a little bit and you look more into, okay, did the people that I play against today do well or do poorly? I think that would have changed how my day ended up. Yeah. Um, because Nia, who I lost to right in round one, went 6-0 after that. Yeah. Um, and then I didn't lose again until round five to Oliver Chen, who top aided. Like, he did not lose very much that day at all. And then round seven was my next loss, Subasa. He finished, like, 16th after day one. So... Like, I'm not trying to be salty or complain about it, but I do think if they just flip those columns around and put the opponent win percentage up front, then maybe I finish a little bit higher that day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely, it changes. It, it changes, like I said, it changes who ends up in the top cuts and who doesn't. Um, I know a lot of people on Discord um, have talked about. Um, possibly putting the uh say it again for me the opponent's win percentage opponent's win percentage yeah, uh should be more heavily weighted i think yeah putting that one up front um i think there's been some talks about it on f- uh facebook as well so um balls in lss's court right now yeah i was asking all the important people in the canadian discord and you know, nobody really sees a downside to it or why changing it would be a problem or affect anything negatively yeah yeah, no, I, uh, I and I think that's that's a big thing is like it we a lot of people right now think it's uh, it would be a positive move with no downside. So it'll be interesting to see what LSS does, um, especially when it could benefit. Um, yeah, the right player, certain players. I shouldn't say the right players, certain players um, in those uh, bubble out positions. But I mean, then somebody else bubbles out. So one way or another, the chips are going to fall however they do. Uh, but uh, yeah, so unfortunately you didn't make day one there, uh, but then you got to play in the uh, in the ProQuest. How did that go? Yeah, the ProQuest went okay. I had like a very medium old him deck in the sealed portion. And yeah, it didn't do quite as well as I wanted. That's fair. Yeah, it was close. I lost two. 
some briars. It feels like the top two tables were just all briar in this yeah. portion of this event. And uh, they get rewarded for being able to put out a lot of arcane damage without really having to work very hard for it. And that can be kind of frustrating. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'd also like to say, back to my day one, though, every time I sat down and was across from another Briar, I looked around me, and there was all these other fun decks. <laughs> I'm watching, like, an Ice Lexi play a Dash beside me, and, like, a Kano play against Prism. Like, there was other decks there that I was seeing all day, but I just ran into the 54% the of the Briars that day two, I guess. Brutal. Yeah, and I know that's... The, there's a dice roll there that happens at the beginning of each the pairing of each round and unfortunately you really lost the dice roll because even i saw more than just briar um I, though i did place face a lot of rune blade as well um yeah no yeah. i uh well kevin came and played chain and he didn't play a briar for like four rounds he was saying he played so much fun stuff that i wanted to play again <laughs> played an old him he played just other heroes that exist yeah. in this game. But, <laughs> anything but Briar. Yeah, anything but Briar is what I was saying after about three rounds. <laughs> but uh, I had some fun. I played a bunch of side events after that. I uh, bought a case and opened three more legendaries. Nice. So there was some some karma or something looking out for me in that regard because, you know, I did think I got a little bit unlucky in some aspects of, of my day one, but then I just started opening legendaries in every pack, so... <laughs> Yeah, everything everything even said in the end yeah, some some stuff came back for that but um adam do you want to talk about your day one and how that went for you yeah yeah uh so um i was on i ended up i always hum and haw about what i'm gonna play for each big event and i'm uh, i ended up choosing to play briar uh just playing into what i thought was the strongest deck at the time uh had a decent day one uh ended up uh just barely bubbling in making the cut for day two but uh round one ended up playing against uh michael uh Caron oh my i i'm sorry mike if i say this wrong uh Karankia phenomenal player um i've known him since i've started playing uh online back in february and uh yeah he uh mike won the dice roll chose to go first was on kano one of the only kanos in the room yeah i think there it. was three kanos for the entire event yeah uh two of them being mike and uh, Guy, and uh I, I know they were working on their kano list for a while and i i think actually kano was a not playing into this briar heavy meta especially where they weren't running any null rune in their sideboard i know i at least had shock charmers so i had spell void too but yeah um i i think kano was actually a really good meta call for uh our, our briar heavy meta uh, i know even in blitz like kano just tears briar apart briar doesn't stand a chance uh so yeah uh really close match to mike um Mike uh, was really heads up on uh, keeping his uh, skull cap or keeping my skull cap, sorry, off. And that's kind of what uh, really sealed it in for him. Uh, so took an early loss, uh, but then was able to go on a bit of a winning streak after that. Round two actually ended up playing uh, Daniel Dreisiger. And uh, I, I actually imagine I was probably one of the only losses uh he had uh but and i'll say you know what uh i don't even know if dan lost to me i don't know if he goes by dan or daniel uh he lost his deck i don't think we played four five maybe six turns he didn't hit a single soul shackle like ouch that um 
got all the bad luck out of the way in round two and then just yeah then just sailing from there i guess yeah i guess and uh so that was um uh that was yeah round two win uh round three played against uh jordan chu uh eisenharl cobra pearl uh great guy uh we had the i think that was probably one of the funnest matches i had all um all weekend uh briar uh we went right to the end toe to toe uh he ends up um coming in with uh oh god i can't even remember it was a three attack that was um not threatening lethal but i he had one card left in hand and i remember just thinking okay if he's got the lightning press pumps this to six that's game so i knew i needed to overblock i blocked for a perfect six uh he goes okay arsenal pass uh i came around and i didn't even have a huge turn uh but he ended up drawing into the uh uh, gorganian tome and ball lightning so on my second attack because i think i had him down to one at that point or something close to that uh he ended up not being able to block and that was game uh but it was phenomenally played uh huge uh huge shout out to jordan chu uh uh, round four played Ross Hilliam. Oh, that right, because that was the first round of the draft. Um, so before I even get into my match with Ross, um, yeah, sitting across from sitting across from Andrew, uh, ended up getting the early honing hood after seeing the sting of sorcery and uh, just knowing in my gut I needed to stay Alexi, and I got rewarded so hard for it. I think I had five overflexes, four dazzling crescendos. I ended up getting a pack three pick five Voltaire. Yeah, I and, passed you this Voltaire, and I just saw your eyes light up like a kid on Christmas morning. Oh, and I know, like, so... If you can read, this is why you read the signals and you stick with what's open, what's in your seat. Because in the late game, in the later part of the draft, if it's there, you will get rewarded so hard. Because any good drafter is knows better than to hate pick that for something that's going to just benefit them. Um, and yeah, I got rewarded so hard. So had the sickest Lexi deck. Like I said, round one played Ross Hilliam, who he, we were talking about after the fact, he was the one who opened the uh, the Voltaire. And I know afterwards he's like, should have hate drafted it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I, uh, I, I remember winning the dice roll against Ross and uh, I just, I had all the tempo and uh, it was an easy match with the deck I had. Or, uh, round five was... Uh, Leon Chow. Uh, it was great to meet Leon. Great to meet his brothers. Uh, Raymond Chow went on to win the golden, the the gold foil uh, Arknight skull cap um, in a uh, in a, a finals against uh, David Rude um, in the ProQuest, uh, which was super cool to see. Uh, but yeah, so Leon Chow, great guy. Uh, we had a good match. Ended up pulling the win there. Round six, that's where I saw Oliver Chen. We had a super tight match, uh, super close, right down the end. We almost went to time. Uh, he ended up fatiguing me, pulling out the win, uh, and that was a well-deserved uh, win on his part. Oliver Chen played phenomenally all weekend. Um, like I said, shout out to him. Um, congrats on the top eight. 
uh, round seven, we were back to CC. Uh, ended up getting lucky enough to play the Dante Del Fico. Not the first time I've played Dante. We've uh, played many times at this point with uh, me playing in a, a losing record in that matchup. But I feel like every time I play Dante, it's closer. And I actually feel like we went toe-to-toe this match. Uh, Dante won the dice. He was also on Briar, won the dice roll. Um, and uh, we had a close match right up until the end. Uh, going into... My last turn, um, Dante was on five, I was on one, and uh, I had a ball lightning in hand, and I can't remember what color ball lightning, but a ball lightning in hand and uh, a Sonata in Arsenal. And I knew if I could hit the Sonata, uh, deal one damage, pocket something, I had the ball lightning with the go again, which I think threatened, I I think I had a red ball lightning, because I think I knew that it threatened four, so he needed to block it because he'd be at four at that point. And then I'd have another attack to at least pull one other card from his hand. And uh, unfortunately, the Sonata whiffs. And as soon as the Sonata whiffs, I knew that uh, Dante had me. Yeah, his next turn, he strikes for seven. And I think to myself, okay, uh, if he's got the lightning press, this is game. But uh, you can't play around it because then I just give up all the tempo at that point. So I make a perfect block, two CNCs. I still had one left on Skullcap. So block for seven. Uh, and he ends up lightning pressing me. So uh, really tight game. Um and uh, Dante, a big shout out to Dante, also went on to uh, make top eight of uh, of uh, Canadian Nats. Uh, that is Dante's third top eight across five pro events. And uh, yeah, he's got... The guy's the, a monster. The guy's a monster. He's got three PTIs, his name. I also happen to know that Dante has put uh, an insane amount of work into this game, though. Uh, he is a... Uh, he has an incredible testing team behind him. Uh, shout out to Arsenal Pass. They put in, I, I think their testing schedule is three hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, like, they're, there's no wonder everybody on that team performs incredibly well. Uh, Zach Bunn, Hayden Dale, Brendan Patrick. Um, I, I think their team's constantly growing. Uh, anybody who listens to Arsenal Pass can kind of keep tabs on it. But uh, yeah, no, the, uh, congrats to Dante. Round eight, I ended up playing Yi Huang on dash, um, and uh, I drew the nuts in that game. I remember, I think, three turns in a row. I came in for, like, ten with Plunder Run and a Nimbleism, and it was just... It, yeah, um, there there wasn't much, I think, he could do, unfortunately. Um, got super lucky in that win. Round nine, last round of the day, I uh, ended up playing uh, Tyler McIntyre, uh, shout outs to Impulsive Piano. Uh, he, we uh, played, uh, he was on Bravo, and uh, he's a phenomenal Bravo player. Ended up taking me to fatigue. I know I could have put in a little more work to um, setting up my pitch. I was so used to playing quick games up until that point that I completely. I, I didn't really think to set up my pitch like I should have. Uh, and that's where I, I I think I had him as low as three at one point. I think he finished on seven, but he fatigued me. I was still at 20 life. Like, I had tempo the whole game. Um, I think if I could have, yeah, played a little smarter to the end game, um, definitely could have been a different story. But nonetheless, uh, Tyler's a phenomenal player. He also is a member of Team Hosers, uh, practices with us, uh, phenomenal guy. Uh, so big shout out to him. Uh, that ended up wrapping up day one. Uh, I managed to bubble in, like I said, at 23rd place, uh, finishing on the five and four record. And uh, following that, I knew I had an interesting dilemma that night because 
uh, we did the math and we figured out that there was no way I could make day two, uh, or not, sorry, make day two, uh, make top eight. But there was still the whole thing about possibly being able to grind um, ELO. So with that, I decided to pursue day two. Um, day two also, I, we weren't certain how this would work up front, but uh, we ended up finding out after the fact that you needed to play in day two to get the cash prize out. So um, yeah, that was... Uh, Eh, worth it in that sense uh so fast forward to day two another draft um i have in my pod uh tyler mcintyre once again uh, alex chiu uh chilliwack another member of uh team hosers uh we had uh nia uh guillaume couillard um who else was in there mickey um one more I can't remember uh, so we were the pod number three uh, I ended up sitting uh, next to Nia to my left uh, Tyler in front of me and uh, once again opened up a pack one honing hood and uh, at this point I'm just akin to picking pack one pick one honing hood because I've had good luck with it um, I ended up drafting a not bad list um, I had some snapshots, uh, a lot of electric or uh, lightning cards. Uh, knew that if I could pull out some interesting play patterns, that I could probably have some good turns still. But I was probably relying on things like being able to, uh, at the start of my turn, reveal um, reveal the electrify, play the electrify, draw a card, give my next tech token, would have to load a snapshot, play the snapshot fused uh, to then be able to shiver again. Uh, so it was definitely a bit more of a technical deck. Uh, ended up playing Alex Chu round one of the draft um, and Alex played really well, had a really good Briar list. Um, I definitely, I, I I punted a bit in that match, I won't lie. Uh, I took a bunch of damage, uh, nine on one attack, to then turn around with an attack that it, it, it wasn't enough. Um, so that was, uh, that was an unfortunate loss, but uh, Alex Chiu still played phenomenally. Uh, went on to play Guy next round. Um, Guy had a incredible Earth Briar list, uh, was... Apologies, my dog Sadie is singing the song of her people in the background. <laughs> I can always cut that out too. <laughs> uh, Guy had a really cool Briar Lightning list. Uh, a lot of Bramble Smarks, a lot of cards to fuse them. Uh, it uh, it was punishing. Uh, I uh, it came into a turn where I had um, I still I, I played uh, with my Honing Hood pretty late into the game. Uh, I had a. Uh, blue electrify and arsenal and a red electrify in hand and I was like okay and I think I had Guy down to th four or five life and I knew that if I could honing hood swap the electrifies play the red electrify pitching the blue electrify draw an arrow be able to dominate the arrow and probably hopefully come in for five six uh, he'd only be able to block one card and that should be game do all the fancy stuff draw into a lightning press and I went Cool. I will pass turn. And Guy took it next turn. Uh, I knew that going into that Electrify play was a bit of a gamble. I had a huge density of arrow cards, so I felt comfortable taking the gamble. 
But um, I knew that when I pulled off that play that if I could make it, it would be a win. If not, it would be a loss. And, and it's, it plays like that that kind of, like, sometimes you have to take a calculated gamble. You know, if you just play it safe all the time, you're not going to win a bunch of matches. You're not going to top eight. You're not going to day two events. So sometimes you just have to think about it for a little bit. Just take your time and say, you know what, it's a gamble, but... You know, maybe the chance is 75%, maybe it's 60%, maybe it's 90%, or maybe it's 10%, but the option of not taking the gamble means that you just lose the game. So sometimes you just have to know when when to take the risk and try and get the reward, you know? And yeah. I, think that, I think that was like a, a good example of when just taking the risk and winning the game that turn versus losing the game, it was probably just worth it to, to do that. And it didn't work out, but that shouldn't stop you from doing it the next time it comes up, right? 100%. Yeah, no, uh, I, uh, I I don't feel bad about that loss at all. Uh, the Alex Chiu loss round one of that day, yeah, that one was uh, a feels bad because I knew I, I could and should play better. Uh, but no, that one, I think I played to my out, and uh, sometimes you... Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, we play a game with RNG. Um, in the great words of Brendan Patrick, if we didn't want any RNG, we'd play chess. So, <laughs> no, I'm uh, I'm okay with that one. Round three, I ended up playing Nia, and uh, he had uh, a gross, a gross Briar list. Uh, pushed a lot of damage, and uh, no matter what I tried, I couldn't get tempo in that game I couldn't I do find with Lexi tempo is really important and I just couldn't couldn't get myself into a winning position I'm sure there's some out I could have and should have played to that I didn't pick up to on the time at the time there I, I think it's important to always be able to say that there was probably something you could have or should have done better but in that one I couldn't figure out what it was and uh, Nia ended up taking it so I ended up playing to an overall uh, 5-7 uh, record unfortunately but uh, still really proud to have made day two, um, especially coming off of my last pro event being uh, Vegas, where I uh, definitely bombed. Uh, this this felt good. Uh, I can tell that I've become a better player, and I'm pretty stoked for it. So uh, I'm excited to see uh, where things go uh, coming, coming off nationals. Uh, a bit of a slow season for the next little bit, but uh, sometime in... 2022 will be uh, kicking it off again and it is something to look forward to uh, but in the meantime until that happens uh, we have a big boogeyman that people are trying to figure out what to do with uh, we've talked about it a bit um, Briar uh, we touched on it a little bit while you were giving us your little recap of uh, your rounds there Andrew but let's uh, go into it a bit deeper I know it's something you've been thinking a lot about um, what do you think about Briar right now yeah, so last week on the podcast, I was definitely on team, don't ban anything yet, let the community figure it out. I love when we get to a chance to, you know, take the puzzle and kind of figure it out ourselves. But now after playing the, the six rune blades in a row, playing it more in other side events and fun things, uh, even in the hotel room on the Monday while we had to wait 11 or 12 hours for our plane, we jammed so many Briar games into Ira, into Kano, into some other decks. And then I had a chance to listen to the Arsenal Pass podcast with Tarek Patel, explaining, you know, what he thinks about the deck now and where he thinks it's at. And he also believes that something needs to be done about the deck. And I'm on that page too, because fundamentally the way the deck operates does break the meta 
and I think it's too strong for all of the other decks to compete with, just in the way that they get to play an extra card every turn than everybody else does. Yeah. Um, and I do think playing an Ice Old Him list, for example, is a great way to combat it and probably has a great matchup and is, you know, very strong, good key to success. But also in a 50 minute round at Nationals, that's almost not enough time for this block only, fatigue only strategy. Like, it feels kind of bad as the old him player. Like, you really don't get to play the game. You have to block out all of the pressure they put at you every turn. And you don't really get to attack back unless they just stumble on their own for a turn. And even then, one or two attacks in the game doesn't do much to them. Yeah. So it's, it is a very viable strategy and a good way to attack that deck. But I wonder across all these nationals, all these weekends, how many ice old him players just went to time and drew with one of them and it's kind of like a loss for both players yeah very much so um and that's where the that comes back to our other topic like withdrawing being weighted as heavily against you doing well um it 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 punishes both players where maybe that should be looked at from a different angle as well Uh, i know andrew you've talked about kind of adopting a little bit more of a magic-esque approach where a win's worth two points, the draw's worth one point uh, versus the straight-up loss being zero points and then kind of breaking it down that way. I know I like that personally. I think that makes sense because if you have two good players that just can't overcome each other, that that's worth... That's yeah, you shouldn't just both lose and be done. Yeah, I know they're trying to combat drawing out of top eight, but I think the concession rules do a good job of addressing that. So um, I think they could still concede before the game starts, though, by calling a judge over. I'd have to read it again. That's a good point. But I think in that world of two points for a win and one point for a draw, the people that are 7-0 or 7-1 right before a top eight, I think they'll be able to draw in. Right, and, and I, I think that'll be allowed. I think Magic does three for a win and one for a draw. So it's, oh, okay. Even then, it's like you know, but it doesn't really matter for the drawing into top eight. It doesn't matter how many you have twelve points for a win. It still doesn't matter because just that one. It's like a break point, you know. Just yeah. that one extra point yeah. puts you ahead of all the other people who have the same amount of wins, but one more loss instead of a draw. So that's I see that's the issue, and that's probably why LSS yeah. has set it up this way. But it yeah. would be nice if if you draw to, due to time because you're trying to fatigue out the crazy Runeblade players, then it would be nice not to just have it be a loss for both players. But yeah, for especially because sure. in all those situations, everybody knows that the old him player is about to win if they have one or two or three or four more turns. Like the Briars, are, they're out of cards, and the old him usually still has a big deck and. Um, tons of life left so here's a question then because i know prior to well this is before i was playing the game at a competitive level uh this rule change happened right before i started playing but up until flesh and blood as we know it there was actually a brief period of time where the the draw system or the 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 rule end of time procedure was a total of three additional turns Mm-hmm. And I think that gives, you know, that goes back to the thing of it gives old him an opportunity to kind of close things out if he can. Uh, what do you guys think is better? 
Yeah, I think like a lot of those matches come down to just needing five more minutes or three more rounds or they get close within that 50 minute period, but sometimes it's just not enough, especially if you guys have a lot of tough decisions to make. It's also exhausting as a player to bring a deck like that to a two day event and you have to now play 50 minute rounds every single round where every block matters, every decision matters. If you have a judge call in your game, there's a time extension. Now you have a 55 or a 60 minute round. There's no time to go grab food, grab snacks, go to the washroom. You're just in it all the whole time. In the trenches, yeah, yeah. trying to grind out that, that day two. Yeah, at least in my Chain V Briar matches, every time I was done, I looked at the clock, there was still 37 minutes left in the round. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, and then, yeah, so, like, guys like uh, Demos and Michael Hamilton, uh, you know, for, uh, winning a, winning a, a calling and then top-aiding Canadian Nats, um, that's, that is something to be said, because not only are you playing your opponent, you're playing your deck, you're playing time, you're playing so many things that make it that much harder for you compared yeah. to... It's impressive, and it's tiresome. Mm-hmm. And also, I, I'd like to hear their opinion on if they enjoyed it, if they had fun doing that, if they do it again, if they think the Briar deck is too strong and that's the necessary evil you have to commit to if you want to target it. Yeah, yeah. I think we had the same issue too with Chain when it was like pre, pre-Tales Chain where mm-hmm. you know the, the decks that were built to combat Chain were fatigue decks. You didn't get to play the game, yeah. right? You just, you blocked, you had defense reactions, maybe you played an Arclight Sentinel, and then you could maybe pivot on the next turn for one turn, and then you're back to blocking. You know, like you're not you're yeah. not attack you're not doing what your deck is built to do. You're just blocking out, playing their deck against them. So I I can't like that's not really like blocking is a fundamental part of the game. But when all of your cards, all you care about is that defense symbol in the bottom right, it's not it's not as fun. So mm-hmm. I could see that being part of the motivation to maybe say like, hey. Briar is getting to the point where the decks that are good against Briar are just the ones that suck to play. Yeah, and fundamentally, Flesh and Blood can't just be fatigue deck wins yeah. because then that's if that's the over that's the best deck, then that breaks the game. Yeah, then everybody does that. No, that's no. not fun at all. It's not a good look for the game, and it's not. Because then for kitchen table players who are, they're the ones who are going to support this game the most. They buy the most product. Yeah, if all they see is old him wins and fatigue prism wins, then we're going to lose players. So based off that principle alone, I actually, yeah, I, I agree something needs to change. What it is though, I think LSS has a really tough tough thing to figure out on their hands because i don't think it's banning briar and there's no one single card in the deck that's the problem it's the overarching strategy so then you look at maybe an errata or something like that but that's cumbersome as well it's tough for the new players it's it's not a great thing either it's Uh, always confusing to not have the right text on the card that's in front of you when you're trying to figure something out exactly and then i wonder if they could ban certain cards and say it's only banned in Briar because some of the best decks best cards in the deck would be like Sting of Sorcery or Ball Lightning but plunder I run. or Plunder Run for Plunder sure. Run yeah um but you I could, don't want to see those cards get banned from their other decks I don't think Ball Lightning's oppressive in Lexi I don't think Sting of Sorcery is oppressive in Viscera or Chain 
I mean, do you, could you consider plunder run? Some people have been talking about that too. And I have been saying for a while that that's definitely like the best card in chain. It's like one of the best cards and just go wide strategies. Yeah. For the, sure. Plunder run is, it's such a, like there's no other card in the game that gives you, sometimes it, it buffs your attack for zero. It's a non-attack with go again, which matters a lot, especially in Runeblade. Yeah. And then it also just draws you a card and it's not tied to the hit, you know, like Shadow Puppetry is an amazing card. It gives go again, it costs zero, it's a non-attack, it buffs your attack, but it only applies to the next attack. And yeah. that, that's so much different than Plunder Run, where it just every single thing that you do threatens drawing another card, which can be more resources or another attack. It's just, it's it's a lot. That card is really good. So what if actually the answer, that brings an idea to my mind, if the answer is to um, errata plunder run just to the next attack? Yeah, then card would be less strong. Less strong. And, I mean, maybe it wouldn't even be, I think it's still good, like, you know. Oh, it's still, because you wouldn't play Shadow Puppetry otherwise. Yeah, exactly. And I, there are, I think there's other cards that say the next like if your next your next attack hits you draw a card like i think that's already like another card in the game yeah maybe it's not but <laughs> i i think it, it having those on hit effects and i mean like lexi ice lexi has a lot of good effects like blizzard bolt is whenever your attacks hit so you know they can block the first one not knowing how many more attacks you're going to play but then you play two more arrows and suddenly they have two frostbites right and so that's cool for that but imagine if blizzard bolt was whenever an attack hits this turn you draw a card that'd be insane oh god just drawing a card just like in magic or any other tcg is just the most powerful thing you can do yeah and the fact that it's not tied just to the next attack but just the next time any attack hits is really crazy so i don't know if that's something that it's weird it feels weird to like ban or errata a generic card but i guess they already did that with drone of brutality so mm -hmm. maybe maybe that's precedent enough and plunder run is a very frustrating card to play against when you're staring down someone who might be attacking you three or four or five times this turn it's like do i block this first card for seven with three of my cards so that they don't get the hit but then i face the same problem on the next attack and the next attack and the next yeah. attack it's so wide it threatens so much pressure yeah and i think that's where like the fact that it's only a like if it was an m and it threatened that on hit trigger on every attack minus the weapons i think that would be fine but the fact that it's a just a rare and it applies to every single attack on the turn yeah and you get to play nine because of that instead of only getting to play like puppetry is a great card you only get three yeah plunder yeah exactly nine plunder runs and yeah. Um, Some of my ideas for the Briar problems were errata-ing Sting of Sorceries so that the Sting of Sorcery was the source of the arcane damage coming at you, so it didn't synergize so well with a ball lightning in the chain with every other elemental card after that. Yeah. Um, some other ideas I had were um, making the lightning token should maybe cost one resource because one of the problems, and Tarek was tweeting about this today, the problem with the deck is like, almost everything having go again, or you can do a little bit of work to give something go again that doesn't have it, and you never have to pitch to play the game. You get to just play four or five card hands every single turn without pitching because there's so much go again going on that you don't really have to work too hard for or pay for or, or that. And another thing that's really frustrating when you're in these really tight races with the Briar deck 
is they never really have to block from hand. And when it gets down to the wire, when they do have to, they usually have this huge chunk of Embodiment of Earth tokens, and now they get to just block with one card from their hand for like a really high number. And I almost think they shouldn't be able to make so many, or there should be a downside to it. Yeah, I agree. Something needs something needs to be done. That deck has a lot of upside and very little downside. Um, I mean, compared to Chain, it at least doesn't equipment block as well. Uh, Chain's got the fridge for 10. Well, it's not even a fridge. It's a super cooler of some sort. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> The decks play very, very similar as someone who's played Chain straight for three months. The decks are trying to accomplish the same thing, and they're doing the same thing. But Chain, you still have to pitch to play for some cards. And then the equipment blocking for 12 is so, so, so strong. But carrying Husk starts hurting you. Yeah. Is, is supposed to be the downside there. And this Briar, you know, sometimes they can block for 12 with two or three non-attack action cards over the course of the game. And there's no downside. Yeah. Now, at least... Now, I, I do think Chain was a still... What precedes Chain was a bigger problem than briar is now because at least with blocking with briar you don't get the card back like chain you could block with one card and then get seven cards on your next turn to additionally play absolutely and that was a that was a problem uh it was that ability versus the controller the fatigue strategy to be able to set up a monster turn for 40 damage splitting arcane and physical and then ending the turn with an eclipse and getting your your demon planeswalker ally yeah so yeah seeds was the the right call there but i do genuinely wonder after thinking about it now if just the a simple errata on plunder run fixes it all um at least makes prior because i think i don't mind making one big block per turn when i'm playing into briar but when i have to do a big block followed by a semi big block followed by another semi big block that's where it becomes impossible so if you fix the plunder run thing or if you errata plunder run, I do genuinely wonder if that at least prevents Briar from having as big of turns. Yeah, yeah. or ban plunder run. I'm I, honestly fine with. I think yeah, I don't think anybody would be sad to see plunder run go. Um, I would, but I believe it's too strong in chain. Yeah, it's definitely one of the better, like one of the best cards in chain. Yeah, it's it's one of the best cards in every deck that plays it. Like, yeah, yeah. very good. In go wide strategy, it's just so much yeah. invisible. Player. Agro Ninja loves to play it. Um, yeah. Chain loves it. Briar loves it. Uh, yeah, um, it's maybe that's the answer. Maybe that slows down our meta. Maybe that, along with who knows the ice decks and the ice decks. Yeah. But uh, another thing that uh, we're getting actually, we're getting pretty close to time here. We're going to try to wrap this up as quickly as we can for you guys. Uh, but one other big thing we do need to touch on and something that is going to change the meta for sure. Uh, we uh, we got a huge announcement. Well, we got actually, we got a couple of big announcements. Uh, one quickly we'll touch on is uh, there is a Netflix special coming. We don't know what, we don't know when, but we know we're getting some sort of show. I would assume it's going to be, now I've heard two theories. One, it's that it's people playing the game, kind of like a Yu-Gi-Oh-esque thing. I don't think that's what it's going to be though. I'm expecting something that actually plays into the lore, takes us into the world of Wraith. Uh, we're going to visit the different regions, uh, Solana, Mysteria, Volcor, uh, Metrix. Uh, there's so many of them uh there's such a deep lore still to be explored there so that's going to be a really cool thing um but even bigger than that um the thing i'm quite a bit more excited about we have gotten the next supplemental set everfest um it is 
We don't know much yet, uh, but we have some preliminary info for you guys. Uh, release date, February 4th, 2020. Uh, card previews begin January 24th of 2020. And, 2022. Uh, 2022. Thank you. Going back in time, two years. <laughs> <laughs> Everfest, already in stores if you missed it too late. <laughs> no, so February 4th, 2022, January 24th, 2020 is when previews start. 2022. Did I say 2020 again? You did. Yeah, yeah sweet. 2022. Uh, next year. Not this year. Not the year before. The next year. Uh, yeah, Everfest. It's going to be really cool. Um, what are you guys? Uh, what are you guys wanting to see? I want a non-attack action card for Chain that has Blood Debt and Go Again. So we just finished talking about how Chain is too powerful, going wide is too much. Ban Plunder Run, give Andrew a non-attack with Blood Debt with Go Again. Especially if Plunder Run goes, I would like. We've got Plunder Run's gone, Seeds is gone, that's what we need next. It doesn't even have to do anything. If it's zero or one or two resources and it just says blood debt and go again I'll probably play <laughs> it could literally read this is a deck filler go again yeah. well at this point when you look at what you can put in chain you search non-attack actions with blood debt the only cards are howl from beyond shadow puppetry not yeah. shadow puppetry seeping, seeping shadows. shadows yeah that one and and the tome and the which tome is very bad tome is not very good <laughs> but, you know there shouldn't shouldn't just be three give me something new yeah um, yeah, no, I I hope we don't get what you want, Andrew. I really do. <laughs> I see that. Not That's everyone okay. likes playing against Chain. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What about you, uh, uh, Jeff? Well, before Tails, I would have been really stoked for uh, some Ranger cards. But, I mean, I'll take more Ranger cards. I like, I like Lexi as well. Um, and I, I kind of want something that goes into... Like the brute strategies. Okay. They're kind of fringe. They're not, you know, like they they don't block very well. They don't attack very well. Like they're just kind of these middling decks. And I think something that could help out Reinar or Levia just to you know bring them to the next level could be cool for just broadening the meta. You know. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, Reinar, uh, the brute strategy is already fairly strong. It's just it's not it's getting poo-pooed on a little bit by the current uh, meta and uh, it needs uh, it needs a bit of a pick-me-up needs a little bit of help yeah but uh Br- brute is uh a cool class uh one of the originals uh it's got some cool stuff going for it and yeah that'd be really cool to see uh, i especially would really love like another blue six attack with like, mm-hmm. a good effect like Rekorop is fine deadwood rumbler is okay for levia but like aside from that you don't really have a good density of blue six attacks yeah and i mean that one's tough though because like traditionally six is red five is yellow four is blue so and there's a few where it's like this the red is a seven so the yellow is six and that's cool yeah but those ones come with the downside of i think not blocking is uh, some of them yeah like smash with big tree or something yeah yeah and i think that's what it would take it would have to be an m that's yeah. the only way but yeah no i could see it yeah. uh so now um actually one thing i forgot to mention when i was initially dipping into this set uh, i do want to touch on quickly uh a really cool thing that lss is doing and i think this is a great move i bring this up every time we get into cracking packs um 
it's not our hobby isn't environmentally friendly i think we can all acknowledge that so uh, lss has done a huge move and they're moving to paper packaging for everfest uh, a first ever as far as i know in the industry i think there was uh, crappy little baseball cards that used to come in paper packs once upon a time but beyond that um, it's always that paper or no not the paper the plastic, plastic aluminum whatever I know, uh magic the gathering did one like it was like a one of those supplemental sets and they did like cardboard booster packs okay and they were good like that they were environmentally friendly but they had a lot of other issues they didn't do a very good job like you know sometimes they'd be split or you could open them and like take the rare out and then close them and it would look like it hadn't so there were oh. issues with that but I don't know. I'm excited to see this because I also like, you know, protecting the environment. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, Even just at nationals, the amount of boxes that got opened, the oh amount God. of packs that got opened, like it makes so much garbage. Yeah. And they're not even recyclable. The boxes are at least cardboard and recyclable. The wrappers, the wrappers aren't. So I think that's a huge classy move on LSS's part. I really hope it works out. Um, and I hope it pushes, especially with LSS and flesh and blood being as in the radar of everybody right now as it is uh, i hope it pushes watsi and other uh companies to follow suit um yeah i think that's great uh but let's get back into we were talking about um what we want to see i know i want to quickly touch on this too uh there are two things i would really love to see i think these would be such cool cards um so i'm I want to see a bit of Kano support and specifically I want to see some form of a, I can see Andrew shaking yeah, his head over happy. there. He doesn't know. Don't want that. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> sorry, buddy. Uh, I want to see an instant uh, that acts like an attack reaction and lets you right before damage resolves on a, a, a wizard action, lets you maybe like red pump it for three yellow pump it for two blue pump it for one i think that could be fun for sneaking in your um triggers on sonic boom and lessons in lava and then like it just adds arcane damage to your card yeah yeah it'd be like if target uh card would deal arcane damage it instead deals that much plus three but you can play it after the fact not um yeah i think that could be fun it would have to like I, I think it would have to be like either a zero block or a two block that uh cost at least one probably one or, or if it was just an instant like a wizard instant it would be an, it would for sure be an instant yeah so then it would be a zero block and then it would uh it would probably have to cost at least one but i think that would be a lot of fun uh the other thing i really want to see is uh, i've got this idea for this uh zero cost um it would be a wizard action uh it would be probably a blue but it would uh, have to block for two. And it would read, um, you may play all cards and banish until end of turn and at instant speed. Uh, and where this would be interesting is then you could kind of set up turns using your your uh, banish as a second arsenal. You can cano things off the top, leave them there for future turns, but you can only cast them when you actually get around to playing this uh non-attack action that does literally nothing else i think that would be such a powerful m and would make for some interesting kano turns and i can see jeff's face like reacting as i'm like describing this one and he i can't tell if he's into it or if he's scared of it or a little both (laughs) (laughs) no yeah it sounds like that would be because there's some precedent i think there's other cards where you can like 
cast or play one card from your banish zone this turn. Yeah, I could not tell you the name of the card. Uh, is it chain that has? It's either a shadow card or it's a chain card. It's some. It's some card. It might be a shadow card. But anyway, it's like yeah. It's, you get to play one attack, and it costs like two, and it's a red. I think. Yeah. So I mean, maybe that's the that's the baseline. So if we're bumping it up to an M and we're giving it to Kano, maybe it has to be a. A blue or even if it's like a red so that's uh, session, maybe right? make it a red say you know for two mana you get to for two resources you get to cast all all your banish and you can just spend the whole game anytime you have extra resources you know banishing away knowing that you're eventually going to have a, a big term where you can just yeah um, go ham that could be neat i think that'd be a lot of fun for kano yeah but i it, it has to yeah i could see it also being a problem though yeah i mean yeah. Kano is one of those decks where if you're not prepared and you have no arcane barrier, you're going to have a bad time and it's just a race. But if you're really prepared and you have a good game plan against Kano, I feel like it's a lot easier to to combat it. Like Yeah. Yeah, but then it it it, it forces it forces the game to be kind of accountable in a way because it's like you have to respect the Kano. You can't go all in on not caring about Kano because if you do, Kano becomes in t- you know collects his toll but if you go all in on kano and kano hate then you're weak to everything else and it uh i i think that you know things like wizard are necessary evils to kind of keep our meta in check and uh prism kind of does some of that as well um i know i mean the cool thing about this game is every every deck kind of does that in its own way if you don't yeah. if you don't respect the the meta as a whole uh something will come along and smack it around you know we saw that in canadian nationals with ice lexi and there's always there's always a an example of it um but we're um we're getting new product it's gonna be there's exciting. gonna be new blitz heroes much like crucible 100 percent. i'm expecting that as well since the set looks very carnival themed we might see some funny stuff like some bards or jesters or clowns or i know bard is one people have been asking for for a while um i think i unfortunately i've never had a chance to i, I think it's online i don't i'm i'm not the biggest lore guy i won't uh i won't uh lie about that uh but i think bard is in the book that comes with the retailer appreciation kit or the retailer welcome kit and uh because i think there's a list of like all the classes that lss is sitting on currently uh so i think yeah uh, bard could be really cool to see there's what you were saying something about like there's this carnival slot in the pack yeah i read somewhere um lss dropping a little hint that every pack was going to have a carnival slot they had some little teaser sentence that said, like, what will be in your carnival slot of the pack? Will it be fame or gold or fortune or something? So there's probably going to be, like, some super... That's Like, maybe that's where the fable's going to come. Uh, it's going to be some, like... So you've got a 1 in 40 boxes chance of pulling a pack that has maybe the, the fable in it. Or maybe the odds will be even crazier. We know LSS likes to have ultra-rare stuff. Uh but then and then the l will probably come in that slot as well but then there's probably going to be like some like joke card or something where it's like ha you pulled that sucks to be you um yeah there could be some bad carnival prizes or just like food or money or copper tokens or something oh who knows more more gold tokens yeah 
stuff like that. Oh, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, a few more fun facts about the set. Uh, it's going to be 198 cards. So that's the same as Crucible, actually. I thought the number sounded small initially. Uh, we have three legendaries, which is comparable to... Um, Crucibles 2, so I'm assuming one of them is going to be a legendary hero again, a uh, legendary young hero like Shiana was. Do you guys think we're going to see uh, Skullcap be one of those? Yeah, I well, there was a picture online where it's with a Skullcap yes. with the, the EVR code or something on okay, it. Okay, so that's yeah, probably... That's pretty confirmed, unless they're joking. So then, if that's, a re if that's the reprint, we get a new legendary hero, does that mean we get one more new legendary? What if this carnival slot can be any of the legendaries that have been in the game already. That'd be interesting. That would be kind of cool. So then, what? So that wouldn't, no, they wouldn't be able to because of the reprint policy. For the cold, for the cold foils at least. Mm -hmm. Because the cold foil, unless it, unless. unless they, they could be non-foil legendaries. Yeah, or I was going to say they would have the uh, EVE code on them or a different code entirely. Like they wouldn't be a true reprint of because if they were for sure included in the set, we'd see more than three legendaries included on the um, yeah. on the product configuration tab. I think we'll just have to wait and see on that one. Yeah. So then we've got 41, 45 Majestics, which compares to 31 from Crew. Uh, 36. 36. So more Majestics, more M's. That's fun. Then 61 Rares and 88 Commons. Uh, everything else about the set, um, 10 cards per pack, 24 per display. So that's pretty much comparable to what we saw in Crucible. Uh, first edition is Cold Foils. Uh, we don't have anything about an unlimited edition yet. Um, I know, I believe with Crucible, they initially weren't planning on doing an unlimited printing and they decided to do it after the fact due to popular demand. Uh, so maybe they're going to wait and see how Everfest sells. I imagine the print run will be much higher than what we had in uh, in Crucible. Um, but uh, yeah, um, very exciting either way. Um, before we get to the end of the episode here, did you guys have anything else you wanted to add in? No, I've got nothing. Nothing? No. Jeff? Uh, I think just... Wanted to mention skirmish season coming up. Yes. Pretty exciting. Yeah, we've got uh, skirmish season coming up here. And that's when I say we're going into a, a quiet season. I uh, Who am I kidding? Yeah, skirmish is coming up. Uh, I know we've got... Uh, you guys have two looking to look forward to currently. I've got three myself. I'm playing in an online skirmish. Uh, we'll be road tripping down to Calgary. Yeah, next weekend. Um, well, this weekend actually. This weekend, couple days. Yeah, Blitz uh, with uh, Ogres Den. Uh, that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, and then I've got yeah the online uh, game shack on Sunday. And then following weekend we've got Dream Escape. Uh, that'll be a draft. That'll be the funnest one, I think. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to do that one. Get some more Tales of Aria draft. Yeah. Really Is it, do you guys one. know if it's first dead or unlimited? Uh, I imagine it's probably unlimited, but... That makes sure sense. But that'll be fun. Um, especially after drafting as much as we have this past weekend and then leading up to Nats. Um, it's fun to be able to actually flex those muscles and execute what we've been practicing mm -hmm. so um yeah good luck to everybody in skirmish season i know there's cold foil heroes awarded top eight the young heroes from tales of aria along with 
the razor reflex mat. I'm hoping to uh, get myself one of those. Yeah, I can. Jeff's in the background saying, yeah, giving me thumbs up and uh, okay signs. And yeah, no, we're really excited, hopefully, to get our hands on that guy. But yeah, I think that brings us into the end of the pod. Um, I know I, for myself, uh, I wanted to uh, just throw out a few more shout outs to uh, all the incredible people we met at Nats this week. Um, a few guys who didn't really make it into the pod. Uh, Gabe Scher, uh great guy. He went, uh, he didn't, what did he go, eight and one on the first day of Nats? Is that what it was? I think so. And then uh, ended up bubbling out day two. Oh, I felt so bad for him after such a dominating day one, but a phenomenal guy, a uh, great, uh, great fab player, uh, member of Team Hosers. I'm really excited to see what he'll do in the future of this game. Who else did I want to shout out? Um, I'm drawing blanks now. John, flesh and blood from Discord. Yeah, super yeah. Super nice, super awesome to meet. Yeah, I really like Gabe and... Flake and there's a lot of people this Flake, weekend that yeah. sat down and talked about uh, all the time. Martin Ho, uh, oh, Tinmar, yeah. another member of uh, Team Hoser, and uh, I want to say honorary uh, Team Cleric this weekend, uh, coming in hard with uh, the refreshments we needed him, all the positive encouragement. We could not find a 7-Eleven, and he went and picked us up energy drinks. Yeah, <laughs> such a such a solid guy, and even like he didn't even play in the main event. Like he uh, he had a conflicting schedule where he couldn't. Uh, he couldn't play in the RTNs and then he couldn't get in on XP and uh, he showed up anyway just to support uh, his teammates and that's uh, that is huge um, every, super nice every team needs a water boy yeah and next year hopefully he will have graduated from water boy <laughs> to uh, top 24 competitor yes hopefully. yeah <laughs> um, anybody else you guys wanted to man I met so many people this week yeah. and everyone was so nice it's it's hard to even remember everyone at this yeah. point. So if we're forgetting anybody, I apologize. Uh, I should have, of course, in classic procrastination fashion, I should have written down a list in advance. So I could just like bang it out. But um, love all the Calgary people so much. Yeah, Calgary crew, shout out to you guys. Uh, you guys are awesome. Um, everybody this weekend it was a great time. Um, quick shout out we to ourselves uh youtube is where you guys can subscribe and uh day current with uh, episodes uh we will be hopefully soon here getting our stuff on the streaming platforms as well uh, we're still figuring that out so uh, uh keep uh keep your eyes peeled for that uh shout out to our uh twitter um i know andrew's been working really hard uh he was posting uh updates all throughout uh our, our nationals about how the team was doing um so uh um do you have the handle there quickly andrew yeah it's just at the combat chain sweet on twitter uh and we don't have a like a link like twitter.com forward slash combat chain or something like that do we no but i'll put it in the youtube below this okay perfect uh yeah so the youtube twitter uh that's where we're active um and I think uh, at that point, uh, until next week, we're, uh, we're closing the combat chain.